and I mean this with great sincerity, uh, we underestimate the need for transformational moments of prayer. You started with Nehemiah. I did not end up where I was replanting a church because I thought it was a good idea. Uh. There were people that I will never know, possibly in eternity, at some point in time, maybe we'll have a conversation, but I realized I stand on the bedrock of a prayerful church. Um, and whenever I think about leading change, we're right now doing 21 days of, of prayer. I think that uh, all great things from a kingdom perspective are really birthed out of seasons of prayer. And so uh, I would tell anyone, young leader, who's going, yeah, I want to lead change. Well, great. Start by praying. Welcome to the Stream Roots Podcast, where you'll learn how God's unchanging truth can be applied in our ever-changing world. Through conversations with pastors and ministry leaders, you'll be encouraged, equipped, and challenged in your walk with Christ. Stream Roots is designed for pastors and leaders in the church, but is helpful for all people. And now your host, Pastor Mark Pospisil. So glad to have you join us for this episode of Stream Roots. Uh, we're excited here. With me is my friend and producer of Stream Roots, the, the John Blossom. Dude, you didn't even sound excited. I'm you were just super like, excited. Welcome to Stream Roots. I'm Come on, Mark Pospisil. I'm just beaming with excitement. The video <laughs> shows. John, we've been uh, having a good week here. It has been awesome, man. Yep. I got to I gotta tell you, the facilities here at the Lodge, the Lodge. that is the official name of this place, right? The yep, Lodge. The Lodge, yep. Man, it is incredible. There's about 150 rooms, give or take, and like more like 20, but still. I mean, <laughs> this this place is huge. It's gorgeous. the The hospitality that we've received, the food that we've had the pleasure of eating, has been amazing. And we've gotten to hang out with brothers in Christ and just love on one another. It's great, man. Yep. And so we're recording live in studio, and we have a special yeah. guest, Pastor Sean Kennedy, from. <laughs> What is that? Gulf Shores, Alabama. So all over there. And uh, Sean has been a a pastor, a a good brother here, getting to talk to him. And we're glad to have you on the show. I just want to welcome you. Can you tell us a little bit about your ministry and family? Yeah, it's an honor to jump on the show with you. Wow. Thank you both. Yes, especially you. Wow. I just want to let you know that. (laughs) Thank you. Straight to the top. Um, Yeah, Sean Kennedy. um, I am married to an amazing, incredible Woman named Rebecca, 15 years of marriage. We have two kids. Thank you very much. Um, Have a five year old and a 10 year old. We live in Gulf Shores, Alabama. I'm sure you're planning on coming to visit us, by the way. That's a whole side note. Um, But yeah, I'm grateful to be here. Good. We would love to. So actually, I get, on a little other side note, I get that seasonal depression in Michigan during this time. That's minor of it because that's why you sounded so down. Oh, come on, get out of here. I do a good job masking it, uh, but I, I honestly, it's a real thing because of the vitamin D it and is. lack of sun. So every year we always go to Arizona yeah. or Florida or whatever, and we've been doing it for about five, six years now, and it's just something part of our family culture. So maybe one day we yeah, will go to come Alabama. Come on. Come on. We'd cultures. love to have you. <laughs> good. Uh, today we're talking about the idea of leading through change. That Sean's uh, got a lot of the areas where he's really good at and an expert on, and um, he's got to do this in different churches and different church plants. And so what I want to do before we jump into our discussion uh, here is 
is read from God's word from the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah 2, chapter 2, verse 16. It's actually one of my favorite verses in the book of Nehemiah. Uh, very underrated, but this is when God's given that burden upon Nehemiah's heart's broken for the walls of Jerusalem being torn down and the shame that's happening to the God's people when he moves back and, and he's got the commission and the blessing of the king and, and he goes here and he's looking around the walls and I love verse 16, it says this, and the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing. This is when he examined the walls and he said, and I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles and the officials and the rest who were to do the work. And what I really love about that verse is Nehemiah has this grand vision uh, you know, God has placed in his heart of uh, rebuilding his walls, which is not a, a, a small task. Right. Uh, it was huge, huge thing, monumental. No one was doing it. And he's there and he gets this vision. And he's got to lead the people, the officials, the Jews, the nobles, the not, the common people. And he's like, they don't know yet, but they're going to do the work. <laughs> and so he's like, I haven't shared yet with this, but it's just like in this anticipation of how is he going to lead through this change. And so I want to talk about that. Sean, can you share with us uh, a little bit of your story of leading through change? And then we can discuss how to do that and things to avoid and whatnot. Yeah, I think that is a great place to start. The Nehemiah description is is extraordinary because it begins with a fresh encounter with God. Mm. And it's out of that fresh encounter of God's grace, the ministry of the Spirit, where he gets this holy vision that he can't stay where he's at. And uh, he takes this dramatic, faith-filled step. So a little bit of my story with some very quick points of uh, connection. Um, I grew up in the Pensacola area of Florida, moved over to a small town in Alabama, did not grow up in a Christian family, heard the gospel in high school, responded and received. My life was changed. Went to college and seminary in New York. I was told there were these things called post-Christian cities, one of them being San Diego, California, with a friend planted and pastored a church in San Diego, California for 15 years. And then I was working uh, to serve and to help struggling and dying churches. I've always been very passionate about pastors and help. Um, I'm a part of something called Fresh Start Network, which I really believe in. Um, But anyway, through that journey, um, this particular church uh, in Alabama that was a church that first shared the gospel with me kept asking, would you consider coming back? And then six weeks um, into a particular time that we were at said, hey, we've got a few months and then we're closing the doors. And I felt radically disrupted by God. It wasn't this peaceful moment. Um, My wife and I started to consider and pray. We met with the leadership team of the church that planted and pastored and loved a vibrant, life-giving church. And so my story, just to connect a few dots, is um, there's a church that shared the gospel with me. I planted and pastored a church that ultimately sent me back to replant the very church that started my relationship with God. Man, praise God. Full circle. That's awesome. um, To God be all the glory and only God's story. Um, But through that, um, whenever you think about change, to me, uh, it all starts with, do you have a holy vision or a holy imagination um, for where God wants to take you? Are you willing uh, to take that next step, whatever that looks like? And so uh, what I have learned uh, through the journey is that it's one step at a time, and you're never quite sure exactly what it'll look like. So let me just share the story of the first Sunday I'm there at that church with less than 35 people above the age of 70. And I said, we're either going to die a good death to the glory of God, a lot more churches need to do that, 
or we'll be a part of a resurrection story. Jesus is really good at these resurrection stories. Yep. So let's see. Um, let's stay curious and let's see what happens. And so uh, really, really grateful. We celebrated five years uh, this past November. And when I look back, um, I'm just so grateful to get to walk with people. Nothing ever happens exactly how you thought it would, but that's part of the unfolding reality of uh, getting to to journey with Jesus as a pastor. So it's a little mm. bit of my story. Well, that's awesome to hear. Praise God. Uh, how is the church doing today? The church is doing fantastic. You know, one of the great pictures that I had was just this past Sunday, um, Founder says, we do this response time after the message. We have different stations set up. And I went with my wife. Uh, we were taking a moment just to pray together at a particular station. I'm looking around, and we've got a vibrant, life-giving worship team leading us. There's people praying. There's people taking communion. There's some that are sitting and considering. And and I just said, oh, what, what a difference between that time that I, I took you back to that first Sunday, where after that first message, I walked out to my car, sat in my car, held onto the steering wheel and thought, what have I gotten into, to this is a church I'd easily invite anyone I know. I absolutely love what God's doing. And um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's Church at the Shores is the name. And I think God is writing a beautiful story with a bright future. Awesome. Well, that's, that's great to hear. Praise God. So tell us, what are you, the aspects of leading through change, right? You, yeah. you know, you've been around for a while, done this, some of these radical different movements all over the country, really. Mark, I just turned 21, so I haven't been around for <laughs> You've been it's a, it's impressive for 15 though. years in California. I'm five now. I, start, I started at five. I started at five. <laughs> well, te- technically one, right? 15 there, five there. So you got yeah, seminary just in New York. Anointed, um, which is pretty impressive itself. But, but so how, how do you go about leading through change? You know what I mean? Like uh, what I see today in some of our church churches in different areas. And I know mm-hmm. a lot of pastors in different areas. Um, sometimes people don't want to lead through change because it's going to be risky. Sometimes it takes courage. Um, sometimes they, they, they lead through change. They do too quickly or they're, they're a bully about things like, Oh, yeah. this is where we're going. And if you're not on board, we're going to, the bus is going to run you over. Um, other times they, they're leading too slowly when people, you know, need a little bit of a, you know, like the spirit comforts us. It's the idea of get going. You know what I mean? Not like, uh, not like, Oh, if you're, so sorry for you, but like the comforter is like one who encourages us, moves us forward. So, so how do you do that? Well, under the glory of God. I think it depends on the particular person or pastor, Okay, but I personally like the vantage point of looking at a pastor as a visionary shepherd. And so you have one foot in vision and one foot in shepherding. When it comes to leading change, it's really good just to stop and ask the question, what's your definition of leadership? Mm. We often jump to change, but I think we need to start with leadership. Ronald Heiswitz, who uh, from the Kennedy School of Management, wrote the most expensive book I've ever read, Leadership on the Line, and he defines leadership this way. Leadership is introducing change at a rate people can stomach, and that's a significant uh, marker toward the pace of leading well, and we often don't think about how important that is. Henry Blackaby always talked about um, find out where God's working and join him in that work. Again, this is a sense of discernment and pace. And so for me, whenever I think about leading change, I think uh, by God's grace, through the discernment of conversations and listening well, 
what can these people stomach? And then I remember having a fantastic conversation with Larry Osborne, who was very close to us, North Coast in San Diego. I mm-hmm. uh, got to sit in many of their team meetings, and and I asked him because he went through the his own journey of, of leading a church in change, and he said, one of the things that you can do is never use the word change. And I said, yeah, that's easy for you to say. Like, people need a clear picture. He goes, no, I'm serious. He goes, I haven't used the word change, and I don't know when. He said, what I would use is the word experiment. Because remember, words create worlds, and the word change is relationally charged and usually has quite a history. And so connecting dots back for our context with the church that was replanted, um, I never used the word change. Instead, I used a picture of a fresh start to God's glory and that we would have several experiments along the way. We'd evaluate and see how they go, but we would keep taking one step at a time. And so for me, it really wasn't about convincing people not to stay here as much as talk about what the bright future could look like, a life-giving future where people come to know Christ and our friends and family get water baptized and we celebrate with them and our community is reached. And so um, I think that uh, that's a perspective of change that has been really important to me. Certainly people who lead change well have to lead from a posture of listening. Um, and I think in general, the best people who lead change do it from the example of Jesus, which is the the really the picture of humility. The way of the kingdom is the way of humility. Mm. And so um, I really think that those are some things that I think about often when it comes to here I am, I know where we want to go. But what does it look like to get there? Well, I'm going to lead change at a rate people can stomach. I'm never going to talk about change. I'm going to talk about the experiments of what it could be in in a life-giving setting. And so, uh, But I come all the way back just very humbly, and, and I mean this with great sincerity. Uh, we underestimate the need for transformational moments of prayer. You started with Nehemiah. I did not end up where I was replanting a church because I thought it was a good idea. There were people that I will never know, possibly in eternity at some point in time, maybe we'll have a conversation, but I realized I stand on the bedrock of a prayerful church. Um, And whenever I think about leading change, we're right now doing 21 days of of prayer. I think that uh, all great things from a kingdom perspective are really birthed out of seasons of prayer. And so uh, I would tell anyone, young leader, who's going, yeah, I want to lead change. Well, great. Start by praying. We can talk about the mechanics, the details, and what that looks like, and how do you deal with the resistance, and all those kinds of things. But really, um, you need to get away with God and allow God to to shape and form your life in a way that you can step forward with courage and faith. I love it. Praise God. We we at our church, we do a 21 days of prayer and fasting as well. Oh. We do in November, the beginning, of, usually November 1st, the 21st, you know, so you can enjoy Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, but it's it's always a great time. You know, it's one of our core values is the power of prayer and something built into it. And, and so let me just share a quick story about that, leading yeah. through change with prayer that you brought that up. Uh, have, have you guys ever heard of Jeremiah Lamphere? I have not. I don't think I have either. So uh, this is just off the the cusp of my mind. So I probably might have a couple of small details off of it, but I've, I've you know, I share this story a lot at our church. He was uh, hired by a church in New York uh, at a time when, when the churches were kind of, you know, some were struggling, some were dying out and, and, and they saw a lot of worldliness going on. This was in the 19th century. 
And, uh, and so he was hired as an evangelist. And so this church put together money, brought him in and he went door to door and talked to all these people and shared the gospel and, and not one convert. And he was going at it, just working so hard and he was tired, like just going at it, going at it and literally nothing, no change at all. And so one day he's decided like, listen, I'm just going to go into the marketplace. I'm going to pray at lunchtime, you know, for, you know, the time when people are at their lunch break from work and all that stuff. And if anyone wants to join me, they can do it. So he went by himself the first week started just by himself one. The next week, someone joined him. It was two, and then they, and the next week, literally, it's like from two to like five, and then from five to like fifteen, and then within a few months, you would have thousands of people that were joining, and they're like, man, God's doing something, joining in this prayer revival, and it ended up being, I think, at the time, it was like eight hundred thousand people because of the prayer revival, and over that next year, came to faith in Christ, which was like twelve percent of the population in New York at the time. It was a huge movement. Oh. Yeah, it was a huge movement, and it was all birthed because of prayer and of seeking mm. God and, and all of these things. And so, so I, that's my huge thing for us uh, is you're going to, if you're going to lead, you're going to do anything. It's got to be birthed through prayer. So, well, it's interesting again, um, throwing a larger theological canopy on leading change, not talking about the particular details and practical ideas of what it means to have plans and, and take forward with those plans. I think something happens in that journey of being with God where we position our life for fresh fillings of the Spirit of God for the purposes He has for us. And so whenever we think of a use being kind of filled with the Spirit, um, in the New Testament, especially that Ephesians 5 picture, it really comes from sailing. It's more connected to sailing than the idea of filling a pitcher of water. And so the idea is that a sail is large enough that it catches the wind. If you're leading change for the sake of change is not the goal. We are to be a part as followers of Jesus, um, fulfilling the Great Commission and doing what God's asked us to do. And so we want to be, as Paul would say, in step with the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. I think there's something about catching the wind of the Spirit. And I think that cannot come unless you have a posture of humility in prayer. And so uh, to me, that's such an essential um essential aspect of what it means to lead change. I would have not signed up to leave San Diego and California burritos in 70 degree weather because I thought it would be a great idea. And maybe I could tell the story one day, you know, it has to come from, from moments like that. Yeah. I love it. And, and with that, you know, just to piggyback a little bit off what you said too, it was just reading this morning, um, in the book of Exodus, Moses is is pretty much a a, a great example of leading through change and all of these things, obviously. But like in Exodus 32, when Moses is on the mountain with the Lord, you you have the, um, you know, they make the idol, you know, the golden calf and and all of that nastiness and and all of these things. But then like, you know, you you see that some of this stuff happening, but before they move on, you know, God, Moses has another encounter with God and, and he's like, show me your face. And, and then the Lord reveals himself. He's like, you can't even see it. Like, you know, you can get a glimpse of my back and he just falls on in worship and it's like invigorates him and encourages him to move forward now with all of the, with all of this stuff that's happened uh, to lead the people forward, knowing that, Hey, God's hands with us. Yes. But more than that, God's face is shining upon us and he's, he's, he's in control. He's good. He's got this. So. You know what I like about that too? There's multifacets, but, um, Moses is buried and the people don't know where his bones are which I think is also a great signature of what it means to um, introduce new seasons. In order to leave, lean, uh, lead change effectively in the future, you've got to grieve your past seasons. 
And oftentimes I think we live on the fumes of yesterday's faith encounters and what things look like in different seasons and who people were in different seasons. But I think it's impossible to go to where God wants to take us unless we go there with open hands. Mm. And so uh, even the people of God continually, we see stories like that. Um, There's a sense of grieving and receiving. And I think that's also a component of God's grace, not revealing everything at the the particular time um, that we really need. And so, to me, that that is a significant part of of leading change as well. Yeah. So, so what are some pitfalls or things to avoid when you're leading or experimenting with? What well, no? Leading through experiments or whatever you want to call. It. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you know, you know, if that you can use that, change all you yeah, want to. Leading through change. So, what what are some things to avoid or to be aware of? Because you, again. There's a lot of mistakes you can make, and yeah. you probably yeah. will. At some, you know, you will. If you're a leader, you're going to make mistakes. It's going to happen. You know, even you know Joshua again. This great victory by faith, all these things, but then they make the covenant with with uh, you know the people who deceive them. You know what yep. I mean? And 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 you have all of these things. So so, what are some things to avoid or be unaware of? I think we just talked about one, but I'll continue to kind of point it out. Just a few things. Um, you need to avoid. Um, being uh, casual with language. So be careful. Um, Whether it's change, whatever it might be that you're using for your team, for your congregation, words create worlds. So what are the words that God gives you in this season to step into future seasons? That's a very important important piece. Uh, I think you need to be careful to not do it alone. Uh, We often um, step forward in our journeys from a place of loneliness we need heaven's friends for heaven's assignment. And so what does it look like to ask God for heaven's friends, whether that becomes a partner church, uh, a relationship that you're with? Um, I have a friend who always says, you need a model and mentor to accomplish pretty much everything. So who are the people that you're going to walk with to get to where you need to go? Um, you need to think, uh, you need to avoid the hype and think more about habits because at the end of the day, we're far more interested in culture, but culture gets shaped by habits. And when those habits, I love how Noah Heron says it, when when you have habits that are intersecting a holy God, you are setting the stage for transformation. So I found pastorally, we want to see transformed lives. Well, we have to keep coming back to say, you know, we're going to stay away from the hype. We're going to stay away from quick results. And we're going to continue to focus on a few key habits along the way that really can shape and form us into a life-giving, gospel-centered, spirit-empowered church family that's living on mission. Um, To me, I I think the the language of stay the course, though, is so important. Whether we like it or not, in every area of our life, consistency matters. And so showing up each and every day over time really can make a big impact in a church family. But I think those are some of the things. When I see people who make quick decisions, they decide to do it on their own. They haven't done the soul care type grieving that they need to. Um, Prayer is kind of an afterthought. Uh, They're careless with their language. They are setting themselves up to lead change in the most negative way. Mm. And most of the time, as go leaders, so go the church. Uh Most of the time, uh, that way they go about the work of God does eventually kill the work of God in them. Mm. And so we see this so often. People burn out and leave, and 
congregations are very, very um, anxious uh, because they haven't had the type of pastor, the type of teams that are willing to stay the course. Yeah. Yeah. To put in the hard work and not, not leave, not abandon, not go. So mm, that's good. Uh, what other thoughts do you have for leading through change, Sean? What, if you would give, okay, number one advice, prayer, right? Birth through prayer. Uh, 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 what would be your next thing to say? I think everything starts with a fresh encounter of God's grace where he starts to give us enough of what we need. Um, holy imagination, a, a sense of spirit empowered. I'm with you okay. along the journey. Um, I think from that particular point, I probably would say relationship. Secondly, that heaven's friends part is significant because you're going to need someone to walk with and journey with, uh, who you can learn from. For instance, uh, whenever I made that journey to, um, Alabama, I had a few people who served as heaven's friends and some coached me and some mentored me and some just walked with me. Um, I found myself when I was there, I would go to a, I would call it a partner church. They were so kind to me. Um, I would go every three months. I'd sit in their staff meeting. I'd show up at a service because I wanted a fresh imagination of where we were going. I think that's really important. Um, that third piece, which is falls in line, but you got to have a clear plan. You got to know what at the end of the day uh, am I doing? Where am I going? What is this going to look like? Um, because if you don't know what it looks like, then really you're never going to lead change because you don't even know what change it is that you're trying to lead in the first place. Yeah. So I think those things are important. Uh, the one that gets overlooked often is along the way, celebrate the wins. Okay. Celebrate the grace notes. You know, enjoy the journey. I love how um, Eugene Peterson says when defining discipleship, that discipleship's a long obedience in the same direction. Uh, the truth is that life is twists and turns and ministry is twists and turns. And so every opportunity you have to slow down, mark where you see God at work and enjoy it is significant. Mm. So I think those are some things that come to mind. I love it. I love it. Man, I would love to continue to talk more about leading through change and what this looks like. But uh, we want to respect your time. You know, we got a conference here and, and just enjoying it. So, Sean, I want to thank you for your ministry. Thank you for your insight. Uh, can you just ha uh, plug your church one more time? Yeah, privilege and honor. Thank you so much for, for having me on. Uh, church at the Shores. We're located in Gulf Shores, Alabama. Church at the Shores. All right, awesome. So let me just sign off here. Stream Roots is a production of Barnabas Ministries. You can learn more at BarnabasMinistriesMI.org. That's BarnabasMinistriesMI.org. We release an episode every Monday morning. Stream Roots, drawing deep in the living water of God's Word.